0: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: Before we start the pod this week, I just want to give a push to our YouTube channel and pod providers and our socials. Make sure you are following uh, our channels and subscribing because there's 40% of you that watch and engage uh, with a podcast every week and haven't subscribed. So pre- please do press that subscribe button. Um, it's very quick to do it takes two seconds and it helps us get found by the Bora fans helps us grow and helps us get chatted as well but for right now let's talk about the defeat against Sunderland look ahead to Watford and answer your podcast questions this is the Bora Breakdown Podcast and this is why Boro Bora Mash Day chatter in a pod
0: I want support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air Fleming for That's Craig it. Hignett hit it Higgy Higgy hits the track
2: coming alive again
1: Janino wants the ball played to him. And spots out Emerson! Hello and welcome to the Bora Breakdown Podcast with Johnny, Dana, and Tom. We are the Bora Podcast that gives you all of your Bora Match Day chatter. In a podcast in a defeat for Borah at the stadium, I like saws so draw, uh, drop down to fifth place in the championship table. The first win for Sunderland in about 11 years, and they haven't shot a bot it since. Anyway, um, the guys, uh, defeat for the first time in, in, in a while in the league. Um, but I just wonder know how you feel after the defeat to Sunderland. Uh, Dana, how do you feel after the defeat to Sunderland?
3: Um, you know what? If people are wanting emotional relatability, then I am not the person to do because I think after the game, I've sort of detached from it. And the biggest disappointment was in the matter manner of the defeat, the performance. I thought Borough were incredibly poor, and I was disappointed with them. It's actually we've gone down to sixth, which is worse than fifth. To be fair. I did feel like that was going to happen um, because I said to you last night. As soon as Watford and Rotherham was full time and it was a draw, and there was an open opportunity there for Borough to get into third place in the table, I just knew that we wouldn't win today because of it. Because every time Borough presented with that opportunity to jump up a place in the table, especially when we're you know at the upper upper end of the of the table, we always seem to trip over our own feet and we did that today unfortunately but it's it's not the end of the world although it does sting because as much as we are going to get beat in football it is part and parcel of the game it it stings that it's against Sunderland
1: Mm, lovely cliche there with part and parcel of football love that um Tom how are you feeling as well
2: Unlike Dana, I might be the one for emotional kind of relatability. Today. Just at the moment, I hate football. To be honest, uh, <laughs> I don't. I'm not even like looking forward to next week yet. Yeah, this is going to sting all week. Um, even even watching the game, you know, I was um, I was on a bit of a delay, so like watching on now TV, so I wasn't really checking my phone. But after it had gone one nil, uh, I mean, I was fuming about that anyway. But like, I was talking to one of my best mates, who's who's a Sunderland fan. He's probably one of the more kind of Like calm, rational Sunderland fans you're ever going to speak to as well, because we were having like quite a decent discussion on the game. There was no like taunting or anything like that. But as soon as that happened, and he was just like, "Oh, like Hackney's playing well and stuff like that," I'm just like, "Shut up, mate! I'm not even interested in Tombo football at the moment." Um, I said it on the, uh, I think it was on the opposition preview show. It might have been theirs. Like it's. I think it's worse um you know living in Billingham as well. because uh, there's like quite a like large <laughs> contingent of Sunderland fans here and you just, just know you're gonna be hearing about it all week. I've got to hear about it at work and stuff as well. So yeah, I'm I'm really not happy with it. The the manner in which it happened as well. Uh <clears throat> you know, first half I really didn't didn't think we were at the races today. Um however, went going in at 0-0. I thought, you know what, it could be worse. You know, we we've had bad displays earlier in, in the season under Carrick, where we've gone um one 0 down at halftime, for example, and then we come back out second half, completely different team and turn it around. That's fully what I was what I was expecting. Um, and then I just I don't feel like we ever had the the chance to do that because of the um, the shocking decision from the ref to send Dill off and give a penalty, which I'm sure we'll, we'll cover in a bit anyway. But I think after that, it just kind of like really um, not so much killed the, the game. Just it, it did kind of ruin it, though. It kind of spoiled the game for me. I think, like I said, we weren't at the races first half and they could have easily had to. If they'd have gone in 2-0 up at halftime and it was eleven on eleven and we end up losing, it's it's a little bit easier to take than the manner in which we did lose.
1: Yeah, um, and thanks for ans- answering all my questions, Tom, about me even asking them. Uh, I'm, joking, I'm, joking, <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking, I'm joking. I'm um, joking. but no, I, I kinda agree with with what both of you have said, really. And you know, it, it's it's moments to find games, isn't it? And there was key moments that probably didn't go Boris where today that, you know. See them get uh get get beat against Sullivan, but Sullivan played well. Um, you know it is what it is. I think they 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 did a number on us uh in most points of the game, today. it's also part of the process as well, isn't it? You know we're going to have these games where um we're not going to be as good as we want us to be. You know we're not perfect. We're going to make mistakes. Um, Isaac Stefan passing the ball to Diallo in the first half, and we nearly went one 0 down. But we'll, we, I'm just going to pass that this week because I can't bother um, to to through it. But um, we'll we'll talk about the game then because a lot appreciate happened. Um, you know, there's obviously the the penalty, the missed penalty, a red card. There's a poten- potential penalty for Bora. There's that really good finish from Diallo as well. Um, but it does come from defining key moments and how they define games as, as well. And let's go from, from the top then, because Lenahan came back into the side for Paddy McNair um, and then a Ross Stewart penalty, which was, of course, was it in or out of the box? We'll come to that in a little bit later on. And then also Amadeo sealed the win for Sunderland. But then, how would you assess the performance in the defeat against Sunderland?
3: It was just really disappointing because a just didn't really get going, to be honest. And I was watching the game thinking, how much space are we allowing them? And in fairness, I think their strength is getting those players in key areas of a football match and trying to attack that space. And the movement of Clark, Robert, Stewart and Diallo was a, a real problem for us. But I think... Our eventual defending was good. There were some good defensive moments from um, quite few. uh, Well, it was Smith, uh, Lenahan and Fry. I noted in in the first half, particularly Lenahan. But then I was thinking, okay, that's their strength, trying to attack those spaces, getting in behind, getting into the half space, working and being dangerous between the lines. What's ours? And I didn't really have an answer to that. Because every time we had the ball, we gave it away. And it was a big theme of that first half is just really poor pass decisions. Most notably from Stefan playing it out from the back, which I'm fine with. But yeah, that it, it was not on for him to, to pass to Hayden Hackney there. Of course, he does that after we spent about 15 minutes defending him last week. But it happened. It wasn't just Stefan and it wasn't, you know, it it happened all throughout that game, all over the football pitch for Borough. There was a moment in that first half where Tommy Smith could have had the ball um, in a really dangerous crossing area. And all it needed from Riley McGree, who was in the the right half space at that point, was a very, very simple five yard pass into his path it was underplayed intercepted sunned on the attack and that just happened all throughout the game we needed to take care of the ball better we needed just a spell of possession and um, to be fair we had a little bit of it towards the end of the first half but what good is it when it comes at that point you know it should have happened about 25 minutes earlier so that was disappointing and then of course I thought you know I was sort of thinking at halftime much like what Tom's discussed on the pod before when we have these first halves that aren't great we always have the confidence that we could come back in the second half much better. And so I felt that at halftime. And I do think we came out in the second improved, it with an improved sort of approach to it. And then that happened. Um, balls over the top were a big problem in that first half as well. Diallo tried to get in a few times and just didn't time his runs particularly well. But then it happened with Ross Stewart, who's a fantastic um, striker. I said on t's after the game. I, I truly believe he's one of the, he's in the top five, number nines in the division. And he spins, and then the penalty incident happens, and oh, it's it's frustrating, isn't it? Because as much as you can say that Borough were poor in that first half, it does knock all competitiveness out when you tip when you send a player off. And I think we'll get into it, won't we? Um, so I'll, I'll I'll mute my words there.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely fine. Um, I think we're, we're going to come to it in just, in just a moment. But in terms of Sunderland and, and how they played, and you were saying that ball over the top, and the reason why they were doing that is just to occupy as much space as you possibly can because um, we've borrowed the player really high line at the moment and they're trying to be really aggressive in the press. They're trying to get as much space away from their own goal, try and win it in key areas, and then get you on the counter attack and then try and attack certain spaces. But it was really interesting today because Sunderland had three players <laughs> Uh, on Ryan Giles. One of them was Patrick Robertson, one was Ahmed Diallo and they tried to pin him back and it was it clearly worked because a lot of Borough's possession and play, uh, about 50% of it came from the right-hand side today, which is very unlike Bora, Um, to to see Borough do that. But then, credit to someone, they, they try to use Giles as kind of a, let's pin him back, but then also, let's try to get the ball to these half-space areas and then, can we spin him behind? Can we try and play the ball through this big gap and this big space? And that's how someone got a bit more... Uh, a foothold in the game and gain more of an advantage Um, and then you know obviously the goal um, for them when Roberts played a lovely ball over the top it was part of that you know trying to get a load of bodies on the left hand side pin Giles back bring bodies over create space can you get them behind and that's what they did and they did it really well but it seems, Tom, that Tony Mowbray just loves playing against Middlesbrough because I've got a lovely stat for you. He's had 15 games as a manager against Borough. He's won seven, he's drawn five, and he's lost three. Why does he keep getting the better of us, Tony Mowbray? Because he seems to be our kryptonite at the moment.
2: Probably because he's watching us pretty much every week when when he's able to. <laughs> um, you know, I, I mentioned it on, uh, on, on the What The Fold podcast um, when I was on there last week, like the day pretty much where he signed for Sunderland. Me and you were in the uh the executive box for the Swansea game and he was there. Um, you know, it, it, they'd only played Norwich what like a couple of hours before and we get up to our seats and Tony Mowbray's walking past us So he's clearly like been to that game, signed his contract, shot down the A nineteen and uh straight into the riverside for for the game. So it's probably because of the the amount he watches us, he probably just knows um, you know, strengths and weaknesses a lot better than than he would any other team.
1: Yeah, it's like he's the manager at the club at the minute. Eh? Do you know what I mean? Just like the amount of time he watches, he watches each uh, each and every season, and like you know, I think he just knows how to, to put number us and has enough like analysis in and around it to try and get the results. But this has just been happening time and time again. It doesn't matter what club he's at, he will always get the better of us, and I just, it just annoys me because I really like Tony Moore. I love him. But stop trying to beat us all the time. It's really annoying. Um, can't just give us a win just this once, um, like you know that like you did uh, earlier in the season when we beat you one 0 But anyway, um, we'll we'll keep talking about the game Dana, because Borough had uh, an interesting stat as well of the lowest past success rate they've had under under Carrick. Um, does it show like how wasteful we were when we did have the ball? Because you know, obviously, someone did dominate possession at times. They were they were a bit more, you know, had a bit more foothold in the game. They made things difficult for ball. But when we did get the ball, that low pass success success percentage of seventy five percent just shows how wasteful we were, right?
3: Yeah, as I said, it was a big, big theme in that game when you just wanted Borough to calm things down. I think the commentator on SAFC TV mentioned it, that Carrick was driving home the message of of just calm down. And I think Borough had completely well and truly rattled themselves in that first half because we are a possession dominant side, aren't we? And we usually do take care of the ball quite well and we have been throughout the whole of the season even when Chris Wilder was in charge we were a possession-based team but it's so easy to pick us off if we don't look after the ball well and it was actually sort of similar to the Wilder games earlier this season where you know I was jumping on this podcast and saying we need to keep all the ball better and it, it was the it was just the pattern of the game that developed Borough could not Keep hold of the ball, and there was a really limited influence from House and Hackney as well. um Where I, he stepped up when we got a man sent off, Hayden Hackney. But before that, I think they were very limited because I think Sunderland did well to station their players in key areas to be able to pounce when there was a an opportunity to intercept. But yeah, I think the very basic platform to win a football match is to is to take care of the ball when you have it, unless you're a counter-attacking team and Borough just aren't that. So that was, I think that was probably the most disappointing thing for me is that we shot ourselves in the foot massively because every time we had an opportunity to try to get an attack going, we, we just couldn't. And then when we did, I have to point this out, our deliveries in the box were really, really poor from open play and from set pieces as well. We need to talk about Giles's corners because they've been poor for some time, which is very, very unlike him. But it was just, it was frustrating. It was infuriating, in fact, because we are so, so much better than that.
1: Yeah, well, we are, you know, like it, it's it's just difficult. I think sometimes to be and have that perfection uh, within our game you know i think when we look at giles and we know like how well he can knock the ball at the box and his delivery is but maybe we should move him away from the corners at the moment but then again who would who would you like yeah. on it because it's such a wonderful left foot right so it, it's quite difficult and you can it could just be a phase of three or four bad decisions or potentially it could be a tactical thing of not trying to not beat the first man but aim for the front post you know um because yeah. you can get that flick on and then obviously you see someone at the back post but it was an awkward height aim.
3: though wasn't oh. it it was like it was kind yeah. of above above the ankle and like unless we have a christian de Stoani attack in the near post which we don't and i kind of didn't understand it it's like it's very you know football cliche but get it in the mixer get it in the mixer <laughs> and just deliver the ball better we know that he's capable of doing it but i noticed it in the Wigan game. And I sort of thought, am I committing blasphemy here? Because I said to my dad, there was like two bad corners that he put into the box and it just, they just sailed straight out of play. Um, I just said to my dad, is Giles broken because his corners have been terrible this game? And it sort of has they haven't really improved. But I will say that, you know, Ryan Giles isn't the reason why we lost the game. Um, you know, I think it was a collective thing. But yeah, just picking little facets of, of the football match, I thought that was something I noticed that. Our deliveries in the box when we got into those advantageous positions where we could have, you know, maximized our goal scoring chance chances, mm. we just didn't have the quality, unfortunately. Which again, I have to say, is very unlike Giles and very unlike Borah.
1: Tom, how would you think? Um, we can improve on those, those set pieces then. Do you think you would we should change the taker of it, maybe do more of a routine based system where you know you look for the short corner and lock it in the box? How, how would you? Like us to approach him in the next couple of games.
2: I think for Giles's corners, that could be a shout playing the uh, the kind of more routine based and, and and playing it short, because it seems like in standard like open play, other than maybe today, because I don't think his crossing was at all good today either, <laughs> as as well as his set pieces. Other than today, I think his delivery from from open play is. Fantastic! He's one of the best in the in the division at it. So maybe it's just dead ball situations that we need to take Giles off, uh, try and play it short, give it back to him, and and you know play uh play a crossing from from open play. On the other side of things, because if we if we're doing it like in the the way we currently have it done, where it's it's in swinging on both sides, I wouldn't change anything necessarily from house inside, but. For Giles, it does seem like he he might need a little bit of help on the corners. So maybe a routine based system is the way to go.
1: Okay, then. So, with poor, with obviously not creating many chances um, and the delivery's been poor, going at half time, lucky to be drawing nil nil. But in the second half, so the opposing, well, obviously, the probably the biggest moment of the game, uh, Dale Fry brings Ross Stewart down. Someone are awarded a penalty, um, and I just want to quote Michael Carrick after the game, and then I'll we'll go into it and what we think if it is or it isn't red card, not red card, but he does say um, outside the box. Still, didn't deliberately bring him down. Uh, Running next to each other, Ross ended up falling down. He has the right to do it. It wasn't deliberate, and it wasn't in the box. Um, so I pulled a little graphic uh, for us, and it shows the contact that is in or out um it's where uh, dill fry does let go um of of stewart um, and you can potentially say well has he clipped the back of his heels or anything like that. But I, I don't think there is um but anyway ross stewart goes down and he can rightly go down as well you know because if you're in those positions you try and do the best for your team and you see what happens but i'm gonna ask his buff um the question tom i'll go on with you first but do you think it was a penalty Two. do you think it was in the box and three is it a red card
2: I don't think it was a penalty because I don't think it was in the box I I think those graphics show that I think at the very most maybe one of Ross Stewart's toes is touching the white line but it's doesn't
3: that doesn't that count though as being on the line
2: I don't know It, It, it it's it starts outside and the contacts made outside the box it's when when his, his toe touches the line is when, when he decides to throw himself down but mm-hmm. yeah the contact's outside the box for me I don't think there's there's any question of that from, from what I'm seeing in, in the images there. In terms of a red card I feel like it probably could have been um, if not incredibly soft which I think um, you know on BBC T's phone and after the match Maddo was saying as well very very soft foul um, it, I don't know from those images just how much contact there was there maybe in a, a clip of the heel or something but extremely soft but for me Zach Stefan should have been off his line a lot quicker to to deal with that coming through. When I was watching that in real time the camera angle was obviously on Stewart and, and Fry and the ball goes quite a, a distance in front of Stewart. I'm thinking at the time right Stefan should be miles off his line at this point and, and coming to deal with this And then the camera kind of like reaches Stefan and he's still there. And I'm like, what are you doing? You could have had that. Um, So I I think potentially a little bit of blame has to go to Stefan for that as well. Um, But like I say, incredibly soft outside the box. But I I think to to the letter of the law, it could have been a red card.
1: Dana, what do you think?
3: I don't even think it's a foul. I honestly don't think that's a foul. I think Stewart is incredibly clever. He knows that he's maybe touched the ball a little bit too heavily in that situation. He knows that he's got a defender breathing down his neck, that the goalkeeper's coming out, albeit I agree with Tom a little bit later than he probably should have. But I don't think there's a foul there at all because I will say there's sympathy with the officials because we watch it in slow motion. And I always think that if you've got to slow down an incident how can you expect the officials to sort of judge it how you feel it should have been judged in real time because football is a quick game and that was a quick moment but I just don't think there's a foul there. I think Carrick is spot on. They're just jostling with each other. And I think Stewart is clever and he goes down and he knows that this is giving the referee a decision to make. And I honestly think the referee has been heavily influenced by the crowd. I just don't see, I I don't see the contact there. You know, it's, they're just grappling with each other. As you would expect, centre-half, centre-forward, you're trying to keep up and... Yes, Stuart's a little bit in front of Fry, but I just don't see the foul there. There's like a little motion of his leg, but I don't even think that that's it, to be honest. I just Mm -hmm. don't see the foul there for me. Um, Is it inside or outside? Listen, it's really tight. I think it's on the line, which counts as being inside and being a penalty, but I just don't even see there's a foul there, to be honest. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's frustrating. And as I said, it changes the complexion of the game because you know, we're a man sent off and <laughs> Stefan does save it very awkwardly. It has to be said, because I think you said it, Johnny, that he sort of hits the side of his hand. Cause I was wondering how has he dived to mm. his left and the ball has ended up sort of, sort of to the right. It was very strange, but, um, I knew it was a goal, to be honest. I hate to be that person, but I can't remember the last time that Borough goalkeeper saved a penalty. In fact, I think the last time I remember was Thomas Mahaya's against Ashley Young. Pretty sure there was somebody else a lot more recently than that. If anyone knows, please let us know. But yeah, I just knew that that wasn't... I knew that was going in
1: one way or another. Yeah, like I'm the same. Um, I, I didn't think it was a foul. Um and I also didn't think it was in the box. I also... Thought it was probably not a red card either. It all, all like so you know, many uh, shades those, of opinion with those. this, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and, and look, like you know, it's it's it, in the letter of the law, he has to go. Really, in terms of Fry, you know, you haven't got a problem with that. But I think obviously that's when the foul's been committed and the referee's blue, and you kind of like right, okay, he's going to have to probably go. Um, is it a goal scoring opportunity? Obviously, that's technically a yellow in some cases now. Um, but did he go for the ball? I mean. The ball's nowhere near the pair of them, right? So you know he knocks it too far ahead. It's already in Stefan's hands when the ball's already been when when he actually goes down. Um But the foul itself, I think, if if it is a foul, is committed outside the box for me, you know. And I don't think that um, it's a foul in general. I think it's very very soft, you know. And also, but these things happen in games, you know. We don't have the the luxury of a VAR. I think if if VAR is in play, there, I don't think. There's a penalty given. I think if anything is, if they do bring it back to free kick, at the very, very most, um, to, to Sullivan. But you know, it happens. Um, Stewart takes a penalty and he hits it quite poorly. But I feel like with Stephanie, he's dived so far over, which is the right thing to do. Um, but it hits like the inside. I think just hits like the end of his of his right hand and he put so it pushes back and obviously he just falls to his feet and you know it, you you're one nil down um but you know Borough could have had a penalty as well uh, in the last couple of minutes of, of the game and I will go, go back to Carrick in his post match and he says we should have had a penalty there was 5 minutes to go and um, that's a big swing in football 5 minutes is a long time um two big decisions that haven't gone our way today uh Tom you know down the red 91st minute even uh, you know, Sunderland fan uh, TV or SAF uh, FC TV um, was saying it was it was a clumsy challenge, um, and you shouldn't be creating uh, making those challenges in the box. Um, I mean, given that they say it was clumsy, Borough should have had a penalty, right? Sorry,
2: I think I might have just lagged out for a second there, but I think we were talking. He's about He's
3: doing it me. Well, 50p Tom. In your media, Tom.
2: No, I've just Tom. changed Wi Fi networks quickly, but I've uh, missed <laughs> the end of the question.
1: <laughs> so, Tom Green doing a Dana Martin Langham, But yeah, I, I did say um, around with Sunland Fan uh, TV and also SAF TV um, saying that it, it, the challenge was clumsy. Um, and if a team of that, you know, and their commentators are saying it's a clumsy challenge in the box, surely it's a penalty, right?
2: Well, Do you well think more it was of a penalty than the other one least this one was inside the box, and there was actually contact. But um, no, <laughs> um, you know them saying it was clumsy and stuff. I'd kind of checked out by by the time of this watching it. Um, so even when that happened, like I did shout for a penalty, but in my mind, I'm just like, what difference is it going to make? here Because uh, you know, you know, we either miss the penalty or uh, or, or we lose two one. Like I, I know Carrick's kind of said, you know, five minutes to go. I didn't have any faith in those getting the second goal back at that point. Um, I, like I said, just I, I checked out. I was really pessimistic at, at that point, but like I said, it, it should have been a penalty. And for me, I think the the refs bottled that one about as much as he bottled the one up the other end.
1: <laughs> you are not happy about that. But no, you, I think you're all right. You are right. though again, I didn't, didn't think there was a penalty. I thought I was, was, um, I don't really think you can have any complaints if it was given. To be honest, there's been no contact uh, on the ball at all. If anything, there's been a knee strength whack uh backside, and he's gone down. And you know it's penalty, but at, at that stage, you know it's already two 0 Sunderland. It's already pretty much game over. Um, but you know, Bora have, have gone away uh, with defeat. But let's um, talk about this. Like defeat, and just in terms of how it can. <laughs> Maybe look against Watford because you know we've got some really big games coming up over the next few weeks. And characters saying in his post match as well is that we can't always be perfect as we want it and we were well in the game and had ten men. We dealt with it really well. Um, I was really pleased with the lads and how we dealt with that and we kept our shape, looked a threat, uh, still got on the front foot, and we can learn it, learn on it alone with it, sorry, um, in like the coming weeks, um, and that was obviously paraphrased as well. So just don't fact check me for reading out correctly because I paraphrased it. Um, anyway, uh, Dana, um, you know, obviously defeat like this, you know, the, we haven't had many under Carrick. You know, obviously there's one small one under Brighton, but I mean Brighton were uh, are sensational, um, to watch, but they can make or break teams. Um, but how do you think we can learn from this defeat? And then go on, again, go on again, swap food with full of confidence and try and get a big result because it's a huge game, right?
0: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Borough purchase at burrow.com/acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com/acast.
3: It is. Um, I think this is just a a small reminder of the improvements that Boris still have to undertake. And I think it's also a chapter of of learning for Carrick as well because that was probably the first time that I thought, this is a little bit on him here. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not going to wet the bed. I think we can be critical and we can critique and we can give our opinions without being too harsh or maybe too passionate within that criticism. But I did think now I'm going to go back to the conversation that I had about uh, the first halves and Borough have had a few first halves that haven't been bad. I think Blackburn was maybe the closest to poor that we've had in terms of first halves, taking the bright game out of the the equation here. But I think Today we were particularly poor, like we were very, very poor in that first half. So I was kind of thinking, okay, they're stretching us. Why can't we stretch them now? And I was thinking, okay, crooks not really working. But we've I mean to be fair, we've thought that before, haven't we? And then it's ended up working. But I did think that Cameron Archer was probably the, the player to come on. I was surprised there were no personnel changes um at half time, but that's I suppose. You know Carrick has been patient before and it's worked off so can I knock him too much for that? Absolutely not but I just thought at half time I was thinking okay get Cameron Archer on and he's somebody that can stretch your defence because he's very good at getting in behind and he's a finisher as well he will cause problems I think if he's given more time on the pitch so I hope to see Cameron Archer uh, from the off in the next game but it just serves as a reminder that yeah you know we we are a good team as as it is right now but we've still got a a little way to go before I guess we're a fully polished and fully realized team and we're going to get these bumps in the road I know it's very cliche and people might not enjoy that because they're annoyed at the manner of the defeat but it is what it is isn't it you know it we're going to lose games and let's hope that this is the only game that we lose in the next couple of matches that we have. It's just really important. We don't make this a run of winless, uh, a winless run or a a run of defeats. I think that's really important that we, we bounce back.
1: Absolutely. Um, But let's move on um, to a, uh, probably a B tech praise and place it's, uh, this week, you know. Um, but the praise in place is the place. I'd Like to give play, uh, praise to Tom's new haircut. I'm going to give it a shout out, to Tom, because I think it looks great. Um, the board breakdown shirt which Dana is rocking, and the purple streak in the hair as well. <laughs> um, but it's a, it's a bit of a B tech praise and place because you know, obviously after a defeat, you don't really tend to have much praise. But Tom, is there anyone that you'd like to to single out? Out of the poor players or coaches staff this week that deserves a bit of it.
2: I think this might be a first for me in the and place. I, I don't know about it overall, but Tommy Smith is probably the, the only one that kind of really stood out to me when I was watching the game. Um, I thought he dealt with Jack Clark quite well. Um, not getting drawn into diving into make a tackle. I thought he stood him up quite well. He was staying on his feet and At the worst uh, of of times, at least he was forcing Clark to go backwards, and then Force was coming back to to help with the defending. So, I I would have to say, yeah, Tommy Smith. Let's say I I don't think he lost a lot of uh, jills against Clark, and probably kept them as quiet as they could be on that side. Although you know they had other threats as well, which unfortunately we didn't deal with. Mm.
1: Denimall, who gets your place in the present place?
2: Um,
3: you know what? I'm gonna say Hayden Hackney for basically just stepping up when we uh, went well, when we were playing with ten men. Yes, I know he was I think the second goal he shows Diallo on the inside, which is always pretty dangerous against somebody that wants to play on the inside like that, wants to sort of shape up to shoot like that. But I think from the point in which we did have uh, we did go down to ten men, we just needed somebody to try to take risks, and I think Hayden Hackney did that. And um, yeah, he was he was probably the the one player in the middle of the park that was that was brave um, when we needed somebody to be brave. And it's just a shame that when he when he drove at the Sunland defence and, and unleashed that shot that it didn't go into the top corner because that would have been something pretty special. But yeah, for me, I think Hayden Hackney and, and also I thought Darryl Lenahan was good and made some vital interceptions in that first half. I'm really, really happy that he was back because I genuinely thought that he'd be out and he'd be out for a considerable amount of time. And so Carrick kept that card very, very close to his chest. But yeah, I'm I'm happy with um with Lenahan being back so them two for me, Leonard Hackney and the, the present players.
1: Mm-hmm. And I'm going to round it off um, and say Archer, I think, um, and it's the reason why I've said B-Tech, praise present place because, you know, he didn't do a million things, right. But I thought he showed a lot of glimpses um, in the game against Sunderland today. And, you know, it, it shows what he can bring to, to this side now in terms of on that right-hand side of playing more centrally, um you know, Good feet, likes to to get him behind and can create chances. You know we do look a bit more fluid in those, in those attacking moments uh, with him on the pitch, and from, from what I've seen today, anyway, um, and rather being a bit more static, which we see um, with with Crooks up top, but. We'll move on to questions in a moment, but I just want to give a little push to our board Breakdown shirt, which, Danny, you are rocking at the moment. It is uh, £30. It is only available to a point Pointing over
3: here. That's not where the badge is. Sorry. <laughs> uh,
1: you you, you <laughs> did you know like you that. One... <laughs> who, was, who was the footballer that did that? Was it Kieran Trippier? That, um, is yes. It a yeah. where, yes, he doesn't point at the badge. Danny is trying Kieran Trippier. Yeah. Um, So if you're watching us on YouTube, you will absolutely love that moment. But if you uh, listen to us on your podcast provider, I'd advise you to just quickly pause, come onto the YouTube, search for about 34, 35 minutes in the middle of that. um, And you'll see that. um, Anyway, this shirt, uh, it is £30. It is only available till the 31st of January. And then it is disappearing for good. You'll never, ever be able to get this shirt ever again. So... Now is your chance. Anyway, and we've also got some merch as well on the T side website, as well as t side.co.uk. And then if you look at the broad breakdown podcast section, uh, you'll find a load of merch, which includes the Malt Curse, which cursed us again today. And we didn't even mention it on the podcast last week. And uh, we've got Don't a lot of stuff on there. But all the proceeds and the sales go- 100% goes to the More Neuron Disease Association and helping us reach our target of £3,000. Um, but let's move on to questions now because... Each week, you get to send us your questions um, via email at theborabreakdown at hotmail.com. Uh, e- um, you can join our Telegram chat with over 300 Bora fans on everything but Bora. Or you can just tweet us at thebora underscore breakdown and, and give us some aggro. Uh, anyway, so the first question, um, it comes from Rob. He um, says, defensively undone by a few simple long balls, how can we improve our defense but maintain our attacking threat? Tom Green, would you like to answer this one? Is he still there? I would once I wife would want to,
2: want to figure out how to made myself and figure out where my me, me mouse had gone. Um, to be honest, before before the game, that was something I really wasn't looking forward to was going up against. Um, I don't think Fry and Linehan are necessarily blessed with pace and they were showing like a, a highlight reel of a lot of uh, Stewart's goals right before the the match started, and a lot of them were from long balls over the top in running onto it and getting the finish. And I just I don't think we we did deal with that well. Um we played an all right offside trap at times. Um but maybe this was the type of game to sit a little bit deeper and not allow so much space in behind. Um I know we we're trying to to play a certain way. And as we've said in the past, like, you know, after the game against Brighton, it is important for us to play in this way. But I don't think the, the height of the defensive line should necessarily be always that strict that we're, we're always playing such a high line. I think if we are going up against a striker like Ross Stewart, where, you know, everything in this highlight reel was balls over the top of it and him run onto him, then yeah, just sit a little bit deeper for that game, maybe.
1: Oh, the matter there, don't I'll meet myself. Uh, next, next question then, uh, it's from Dan uh, and he says uh, do you think we need more pace at the back uh, for I got caught out for pace and the only player in the back four with pace uh, was Ryan Giles uh, also do you think we need a CDM in this window because Housen was looking leggy um, Danimo you can take this one two-parter of course uh, do you think we need a bit more pace and two do you think we'll get a CD- CDM this window
3: I don't think we need more pace because remember, Forrest got promoted last season. And who were their back three? Joel Worrell, Steve Cook, and Tobias Figueredo. So you know, they're not blessed with pace. You can get promoted without it. I think you've just got to be able to defend the space better. And I think before we talk about reacting to long balls, it's about preventing them. And I think Bora just struggled to do that. Bora struggled mm-hmm. to maybe press on someone a little bit and to limit their key attackers and um, and their key ball players and I think that's probably the the thing that I'll be looking at because Dale Fry and Darlene are good defenders in their, in their own right and yes we probably will get caught in behind a few more times this season but again I think it's just about how you stop that supply before you, you're really tasked with responding to it so I don't think we need it. It would be nice. Don't get me wrong, it would be nice to have pace, but I wouldn't I wouldn't bring in a defender just for the sake of pace. Um and then the the question about a defensive midfield player potentially, but I think there's kind of loose roles in that midfield. Um I don't really think we have a defensive midfielder, really. Um I think we're probably looking at at that because Housing has played in that position before, but the way that he plays is very, I guess fluid in it is in his movement and being able to again like we've said before take the ball in the half turn being able to receive the ball from these dangerous uh, in you know my quotation air marks there um balls from Stefan but um I think we honestly I think we could do with Balassa, who we've mm. been strongly linked with but uh, you know somebody that can play a line break and pass a little bit more of a assist potential from um, the central areas because he is on the seven assists this season, which I believe is tied with Ryan Giles now. So, yeah, he's a, he's a creative influence, but he's not really the most mobile. So we probably need a little bit more um, sort of legs in, in in that midfield, I guess. Um, <laughs> they're talking about not needing pace in in defence, you know, We now we need pace in midfield. But yeah, um, I think we'll probably get another option in in midfield, and if it is Dan Balasa, then that's a, a very very good signing.
1: Do you want to give him a little plea, Dan, and before we move on to the next question to Dan? You know, he might be listening. He might be going. You know what? I fancy a bit. I'm fancy better Uh Do you want to give him a little plea or try to move on?
3: Just one word, palmo. That's all we. That's all we need. Right? Okay. We all need a palmo.
1: So, Dan, if you're listening. The word is palmer. Um, So just please arrive uh, (laughs) because we're desperate for a centimetre, apparently. Um, (laughs) Anyway, moving swiftly on uh, to (laughs) the next question from Mike He says, is it time to ditch Crooks up top? Uh, I'm a fan of what he brings, uh, but we have a natural strike on Cameron Archer. He will only get better with more starts and get his goal contributions. Um, Tom, I feel like we we see this question all the time, but then Crooks ends up scoring with like a branch off it, doesn't he? And you know we end up winning. But um, what do you think? Stop this Crooks up front and then give Archer his chance.
2: I think it could be worth giving Archer a chance in, in the next game. I think you know he he's been working up to up to it, getting kind of longer and longer since in games, and Crooks hasn't didn't score today. Um, who we play last week Millwall. Was forced to score then, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just forgetting everything about football at the moment, mate. But uh,
1: so soft. yeah, so so
2: long ago, you know, he, he's yeah, I'm not living in the past anymore. But <laughs> but um yeah, he, he's not scored the last couple of games. I think the last time anyone kind of said this was when he uh, you know got two in the second half against Birmingham. So. Um, yeah, I, I think maybe we've been kind of like warming Archer up to that point to, to get him to play a full 90 minutes or you know somewhere close to that. Um, I, I did think today we could have done with him on maybe a little bit earlier. So, yeah, I'd, I'd be in favour of um, Archer in for for Watford. I think mm.
3: if we look at Watford's team as well, look at their defence, their centre-back pairing in the last game against Rotherham was Cathcart and Sierra Elta, who I don't think they're marked for... Being particularly quick, um, again on the theme of, of slow centre halves, but he will stretch a team, Cameron Archer, and I do think now is probably the time to start to try to get him up to speed because he did hit the ground running at Preston, hasn't quite been the case at Borough because he's had those cameo appearances. I would like to see a lot more from him, and I would like to see him from the off. So I think Watford um, could be the, the the prime opportunity to. Playing from the off, and plus I think um, our intel from from our Watford fan Luke was that he was pretty close to signing for them in the summer. So there's that little narrative there to add to the game. So I would like to see more of Cameron Archer for sure.
1: Mm. And it's not the last you'll hear of Luke in this podcast because I got some info from earlier. Um, but in <laughs> terms of the of Archer, yeah, like he could maybe play on the right hand side for where Force has been. You know, I think even though Force has been uh, effective on that right hand side to think uh when archer came on uh today and played in that role he, he was really good um at times and you know who's who knows but let's let's say i think if if archer and crooks you know played together we going we'd have all the the tree memes in in the <laughs> world really you know like archery and, and trees that just go together you know um but face. will it, Tom's just disgusted with, with that uh with that reference. But um I've got the, the two final questions here I like had. Um and Joe says, Will Fry be commentating during the suspension? Obviously, that I was <laughs> alluding to Luke 9 uh today telling me about for four a four-minute monologue on how crap uh, Ross Stewart is at golf. Oh, um that's so Dana, bad. Dana would, would 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 you like to see Dale Fry commentating <laughs> on nice the next couple of games?
3: <laughs> Hopefully, I mean Jesus Christ. I, listen. I'm usually someone that will try to suppress. I know I I do whinge a lot, but I'll try to suppress my like whinginess uh, if I can. But my god, that was taking the piss today! Like, my dad was like, "Oh, that's Don Goodman, is there? I was like, "Yeah, he's ex-Sunland as well." He said, and I, and it clicked in me. I remembered. So you've got ex-Sunland, current Sunland. I won't be surprised if Daniel Mann, the the main commentator, was a bloody Sunland fan. It was absolutely ridiculous.
1: It was. Um i know you're watching sky um it was rubbish rubbish yeah, don't um, do that please. yeah please don't do that again um you know but, oh well um, and the final question tom uh, i'm gonna leave it with you because i'm very intrigued at what your answer is going to be and we've never really discussed it discussed it on and off the podcast so uh but brad asks us um garlic on a palmo itself or off to the side um, now I'm very intrigued by your answer. There, there is an answer. There is a right answer to this. But um, I'm very the convinced
2: wrong... there's a there's a right answer to this. And as someone who had uh, a manjaro's on Friday, I have to say, off to the side, you can't like hammer mm. all over Palmer.
1: I agree, mm. you know, I agree that I think that, that is a resounding yes from from me and from Dan. We'll let
2: Dan
3: Barlaster um, know about that, won't we? Yeah,
1: we'll, we'll let him know. Just, Dan you score put the, the garlic on this on the side, you know? And I didn't know that uh, Jed Spence scored for Spurs, Tom. Yeah, I didn't you know I didn't know we were getting <laughs> a Manjaro these days. <laughs> <laughs> I, th-
2: I think it, I think it's a belated one for probably one he scored in training when he was a four something. <laughs> <summer>, but
1: <laughs> Yeah, it's true. I mean but yes, he, he has to get an appearance first. I think we're just gonna kind of have to lower the barrier now. It's, if Jed plays a minute, we go to Manjaro's. Uh, for Spurs, <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, poor Jed, not, not living up in, in, in Spurs, but you know what? You'll never know, he might go on somewhere, who knows? Um, but anyway, let's move on, uh, to, to Watford, uh, then because I did speak to our resident, uh, Watford fan and he's in the Borough Breakdown, uh, podcast, um, Telegram chat. And I said, Luke, um, give me some info on Watford because you change manager every three weeks, so I, I, just, I, I just keep losing track. Of how he used play at the moment, but Slavan Bilic is still in charge and they are playing a 3 5 2 at the moment uh, due to injuries and they are counter attacking sides. Um, and Luke says the change to a 4 2 3 1 in the second half against Blackpool and the start again started it against Rotherham, which they drew 1 1 and let me down for 400 pounds. So thank you very much for that, Slavan Billich. Um, so they are compact <laughs> uh, out of possession. uh, um, and they are narrow in possession as well, so they use the full backs to try and get forward, um, but they're not playing very well at the moment, but they are getting results, um, and he expects that Davis can be, um, and a couple of sands could be uh, in for the trip to the Riverside, so... A team that's not playing well but getting results that's a very cliche of a team that's going to probably get promoted in the end of the season um it's like it's those it's those teams you know if you're not playing well it's a sign of a good side um as it's always what don gunman always says uh, when talk about sunland um even though they're not playing um but anyway tom how are you feeling about this game uh because it's a uh, a six pointer, as as people would probably say. Um it could be the football a cliché. No easy game
3: in football. Johnny. No
1: easy games in football. Um Tom, how are you feeling about it?
2: Well, you know what? I mean, before even before today's game, they let me down for 88 quid yesterday. So I was really <laughs> open we'd batter them. And now i really, you know, that, that's my lifelong dream now, just us battering Wofford at the at the riverside. Um yeah, I think it's going to be a tough game. Um, I couldn't quite figure out yesterday because there were the one team I still, I still needed on my bet, so I was watching the kind of um, you know the overview of the pitch and the little two D things just to to see if if they were looking like likely to score. And um, it didn't seem like they could get out of their half. And I was like, I don't know if this means Watford are terrible or Rotherham are just really good and really high pressing. Um, but yeah, they just. I mean, I can't can't really take too much from that, but they haven't uh, been they haven't looked particularly great when I've seen them. I did think they were a bit lucky against us earlier in the season. Um, you know, it's uh, very unlucky from Rodrigo Muniz not to score from sixty yards, but at least he tried.
3: Oh, don't <laughs> trigger me, Tom.
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> But um, yeah, I'm. I, I would hope the the home advantage would make all the all the difference next week, and I want to see uh, a, re- a rebound from uh, from the result today. Um, so yeah, I'm hoping for a Borough win. Um, maybe go two one. I, I reckon you know, goal in it at, at halftime. They change manager at halftime, and it ends up us winning two one. <laughs>
1: um. I mean I won't put it past for at this rate um, Dana how are you feeling about it because it could be it's, it's a really difficult game right it's got abundance yeah. of quality
3: it is um, I, I don't know I think I'm glad that it's at home because as we discussed I think was it last podcast we do not have a good record uh, at Vicarage Road last time that we won there was 2012 so I wouldn't be confident if, if it was there but I think because we're at home, there's just a certain comfort about being at the Riverside. Um, Even when we lose, I'm just like, it's fine. We're at the Riverside. We'll be fine. Um, But I'm hoping that we can bounce back because it seems like Carrick is incredibly level-headed and I don't think he'll let this defeat derail our season although it does have the potential to I will say I don't want to sound like a bedwear but you know January and February are quite precarious months because I feel like the pressure of a playoff battle does sort of start to, to crank up a little bit and you know it's a very very difficult game against the Watford side who yes they might not be playing well but they have the players to be able to win a football match. And, you know, that's incredibly difficult, even without Joe Pedro, who I think is the best player in the division. So I think it's difficult. I will say I'm not mentioning a single start or that I've seen a single start because um, somebody said to mention the the, the the cursed start last week from last week. It was that Sunderland haven't kept a clean sheet in seven games. So there we go, Sunderland. Well done on your clean sheet. I hope you're happy.
1: Thank you, Denimal, for your curse of the week. Um for for Sunland as well. So, um I mean it was the reason why I didn't say it. I just knew it was gonna happen. Um I should have probably put it on, but I didn't and suddenly did one over did one over us. us um, so please uh, I hope you haven't got a, a fact uh, for us today then, because I just can't bear it anymore um, I've got going, what think,
3: one which I could sort of like reverse on us no, to be a no, nice I just, oh, no. well. I can't,
1: I'm not can't, can't, do it, can't do it it's not worth the risk <laughs> it's not worth it, <laughs> it you know <laughs> It's just really not worth it. I'm sick of being cursed on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> been going for nearly five years and you curse us every week. And no wonder we I haven't know. been promoted since we've been doing this podcast. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, but um, oh, I'm going to go with uh, a Desmond. I'm going to go 2-2 draw. Um, I think it'd be a really difficult game for both teams. You know, you know, there's no difficult. There's no easy games in this league as, as, <laughs> as, uh, as, as a cliche. But um, I actually genuinely think that they're going to come uh, come to Riverside and you know what I'm going to say Watford are going to go 2-0 up and we're going to bring it back and draw 2-2 and then we'll miss a chance at the end to to win it but we don't um which is a really sad way to end this podcast <laughs> um,
2: yes, <it> but, <laughs> um, I'm really open red. that the Bullock curse doesn't exist here
3: mm. <laughs> it's,
1: yeah, yeah you're looking the, that I ain't coming out of my mouth yeah I know I know but i hope not cursed either so you never know this could actually happen but then if it does happen people are going to be like johnny why the hell did you say that on this podcast like we missed like glorious chance <laughs> from two yards um but guys thank you very much uh for joining me as always and to listeners and the viewers thank you very much uh for watching us uh and listening to us on your podcast provider and on youtube but Bora, uh we're lost in the darkness um at the stadium of light um but this has been the Bora breakdown podcast and that was our a mash day chatter in a pod Hope the bar breakdown.